section seventy seven of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume three chapter six ah what will not a woman do who loves what means will she refuse to keep that heart where all her joys are placed dryden the seeds of false shame were beginning to be sown in lady rossville's heart and she was secretly pleased when she heard of uncle adam's intended departure she felt the contrast between colonel delmore and him was too much the gulf seemed impassable that was betwixt them and it was painful to her to feel that she was ashamed of her uncle i wonder why i never felt this with edward lindsay thought she it must be that he is not so refined in his ideas as delmore and with that answer the thought passed away from her mind she however pressed her uncle to wait breakfast and to accept of her carriage to take him home but he was resolute in taking his own way which was commonly the most uncomfortable that could be contrived fare ye weel said he with something of softness in his look and manner ye want naething frae me so you'll tak naything no indeed my dear uncle said gertrude affectionately shaking his hand i do not require anything but i shall always remember your kindness to me when i did i only wish i could make you as happy as-as i am myself added she with a smile and a blush mr ramsay shook his head and uttered something betwixt a groan and a hem weel weel i wish it may last but rue and time grow baith in a garden but i need nae fash to gie ye ony o my advice for wan folk need naything else they'll no take that so fare ye weel it was something amounting almost to a squeeze of the hand in its own uncouth way the uncle and niece parted her relief from the presence of her mother's relations was however of short duration the following days were almost entirely devoted to business for lord milbank and mr alexander black came to rossville and long meetings and discussions ensued at many of which gertrude was obliged to be present to her and colonel delmore's infinite weariness and chagrin his only solace during the hours she was shut up from him was in lounging about the house and grounds devising plans of useless expense which he longed impatiently to have put in execution no views of beneficence or charity made any part of his schemes his every idea centred in self-indulgence and luxury and magnificence were all to which he looked as his recompense at length the business was brought to a conclusion and gertrude was once more at liberty for mrs st clair after several ineffectual attempts to gain the entire direction of her daughter and the control of her every action found it vain and she was therefore obliged to carry the reins with a light hand lest the countess should have sought to free herself from them altogether lindsay alone of all the guests now remained and he still lingered as though loath to give her up entirely to the influence of colonel delmore he was aware that the heart cannot be long and exclusively devoted to one object without contracting somewhat of affinity towards it 
and he sighed in bitterness of spirit when he thought how gertrude's nature even now with all its faults still so pure so lofty so generous so amiable would be debased and perverted by the baser alloy with which it mingled what a different creature might she become under other guidance so easily managed when her affections led the way what capacities of happiness for herself and others seemed now at stake but alas how misdirected how useless if not pernicious might they become under such control and lindsay unlike himself became wavering and irresolute as to the part he ought to act every day seemed to increase the alienation betwixt colonel delmore and him but on lindsay's part it was so calm and mild so free from all wrath and bitterness that it might have escaped notice altogether but for the sort of repressed animosity which the other occasionally betrayed why is it said lady rossville one day to her lover that edward and you are not better friends has any misunderstanding taken place betwixt you for you are not even upon the same terms you were when i first saw you then you walked rode shot conversed together but now you seem carefully to avoid all intercourse it is unpleasant to me to witness this tis you yourself are the cause of it gertrude answered colonel delmore warmly how can you imagine i can endure the sight of a man who knowing the terms we are upon yet presuming upon the encouragement you give him dares to love you and is at this moment planning to undermine me in your affections by heaven i think i am but too patient lindsay love me exclaimed the countess what a fancy but at the same moment a confused crowd of half-formed half-forgotten thoughts rushed upon her mind and raised a blush on her cheek which did not escape delmore's notice yes in his own cold-blooded methodistical way not in the way i love you to madness to idolatry his existence his soul are not bound up in you as mine are but he would supplant me if he could his love must indeed be of a different nature from yours said lady rossville trying to laugh away colonel delmore's roused passion for he has scarcely ever said a civil thing to me and as for a compliment i have sometimes tried whether i could not extort one from him but never have succeeded nay don't frown so delmore if lindsay does not flatter at least he never frowns this remark did not dispel the cloud from her lover's brow on the contrary he bit his lip as if to repress the rising of his anger after a few moments he said in a subdued voice i have never flattered you if by flattering you mean insincerity but i had flattered myself that you had been above practising those paltry arts by which so many women seek to enhance their value i flattered myself gertrude that you had been superior to coquetry but when i see you encouraging the attentions of one who presumes to love you even in the face of him to whom you have given your vows one to whom you must know to be my enemy can you wonder that i am sometimes driven to hate him and almost to doubt whether you really love me unjust unkind said lady rossville turning from him in displeasure no gertrude tis you who are unjust unkind my heart is solely yours its every thought and wish centre in you but it must have yours 
yours wholly and undivided in return less will not satisfy love such as mine lady rossville remained silent and colonel dilmore's agitation increased i see how it is cried he passionately his artful insinuations have prevailed but he shall answer for this gertrude laid her hand upon his arm while tears burst from her eyes ah delmore if you love me as you say you do why do you thus grieve me i would not for worlds willingly afflict you but you do interrupted he you torture me to agony and when i dare to complain you reproach me tell me what it is you require of me since all i have done and suffered for your sake is insufficient all that i require of you gertrude is that you will not at least ask me to become the bosom friend of one who i know seeks to undermine me in your affections i cannot be the friend of a hypocrite edward a hypocrite ah delmore how your passion misleads you he is all truth and openness he is indeed then after a pause when i look back a few months and think of the state of incertitude i was then in as to your faith and constancy when at times my own was almost shaken by my doubts at such a time had lindsay been what you suppose had he sought to ingratiate himself with me i do not know i cannot tell perhaps he might have gained an influence over me but indeed he never tried he never spoke to me as a lover but on every occasion he proved himself my friend as such i must always consider him do not then dear delmore embitter my peace with any of those idle jealousies the time has passed added she with a smile for lindsay to think of loving me now but he does love you gertrude i read it in the agitation he betrayed upon my arrival he guessed his schemes would then be frustrated he knew that i detested all underhand plots and would come boldly forward and bring matters to an issue i did so you have promised to be mine he knows you have and yet he would supplant me if he could and is it right in you gertrude warned as you are of all this to continue to encourage him and lavish your attention on him what can i do asked the countess beginning to give way to her lover's vehemence and to believe that she really was doing wrong what would you have me do nay it is not for me gertrude to point out the line of conduct you ought to pursue i leave that to yourself i would have concealed from you if i could all that you have made me suffer but when you call upon me to make a friend of the man who in spite of our mutual vows dares to love you but this is mere fancy no i speak from certainty gertrude is it possible you can be so blind as not to have perceived it yourself would that i were both blind and deaf to all the jarring elements which are for ever threatening my peace said lady rossville sorrowfully how happy how perfectly happy might i be but for the passions and the prejudices of others but it is distracting to me to see all those i love thus at variance if this is the necessary consequence of riches and grandeur oh how willingly would i exchange them for goodwill and mutual confidence and the tears dropped from her eyes as she leaned her head upon her hand gertrude dearest most beloved forgive me that i have thus distressed you were you but mine all these doubts would vanish 
or while it is in the power of malice or treachery yet to separate us can you wonder that it requires all your love to still the tumults of my heart call it suspicion jealousy what you will until you are once mine your partiality for lindsay will constitute the torment of my life and i must become unjust ungrateful to one to whom i owe so much ah delmore at what a price must i satisfy you end of section seventy seven